The aim of Black Mental Matters is to tell experiences with honesty. Therefore, some discussions may trigger an adverse reaction. If a discussion is beginning to upset you, we advise that you please stop listening and talk to your support team. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again. It's Black Mental Matters. I'm Vince the Voice. Makiba Reed Johnson will be joining us again soon. Keep her and her family in your thoughts and prayers. Would you do that for me? And you're in ours. I hope all is going well during this pandemic, during the protests, all this stuff. And I tell you, you know, as these demonstrations continue to simmer, you talk to the young folks, the millennials, the Generation Z, the activists, they ain't playing. But the thing is, I wanted to find out, you know, how are they doing? What are they planning? What is it that they really want? As uh, DMX would say, what you really want? I want to find out. And thus, I reached out to a gentleman that has worked with these young people and is on the front lines himself with the protesters. And so, again, what they really want. That's what we're going to find out today. It's Black Mental Matters. Thank you so much. Mr. Clifton Crowley is a therapeutic support specialist for the uh, Georgia Department of Family and Children's Services. Uh, he works with the Children's uh, Healthcare of Atlanta. He works with the NAACP. He works, he works with youth. He is a therapist. He is on the line. How you doing, Brother Clifton? Hey, how you doing? Thank you, sir. How are you? Oh, man, awesome. Welcome to Black Mental Matters, man. And uh, let me just uh, first uh, uh, say you doing okay? Everybody on your end, all right? Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing fine. Doing great. Yeah, I, I asked that, you know, because even though and we we're going to talk about, you know, today, this uh, protest and this movement that's going all around the, the, the world here with Black Lives Matter. But we still got this pandemic going on, too. So yeah. uh, I, I always ask that, you know, because families are, are going through that. So so Clifton, again, thank you for being with us, man. Uh, just uh, just to give us started here. Tell us a little bit about your background, if you would, please. Um, well, I'm a social worker by trade. I work with children mostly. I, I have done therapy for children. Um, I'm a licensed social worker, so let me make sure I back up with right. that because I have to make sure I say I'm licensed. That's right. Otherwise, you're just a life coach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just, so I'm actually a licensed social worker, so I'm a licensed Master of Social Worker, LMSW, a graduate of uh, Morehouse College, and I got my master's at Clark Atlanta University in social work. Um, uh, after retaining my license, I, I was hired by the Department of Family Children's. Well, I worked at DFACS before I was licensed. Then I worked for the state of Georgia now as a licensed um, clinician for the state of Georgia for the Department of Family and Children's Services. Prior to that, I worked um, for Fulton County as a defects case manager for CPS, which is the, the uh, investigative side for Department of Family Children's Services. I worked the, the night unit, which was 12 to 8 a.m. Mm. And so I did a lot of the um, more um, immediate yes. cases yes. Um, in the night unit. Um, so, um, you know, I've, I've worked with children for a while. I've done mentorship with, uh, started a mentor program with, well, with my friend who's, a, who's the head on Jamar Logan, he started a mentor program called Yes Mentors, which is youth empowerment, youth empowerment and stability. We did that at um, in Pittsburgh community near the um, Turner Field. That was a really eye-opening experience working with the youth as a, as a mentor. I've, I've also done 
I've also mentored with uh, Big Brothers and Big Sisters. Um, you, you, um, I, don't, I don't know when you sleep. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> you, so, you have been. So I do a lot of community yes, work. Yes, you know, I do yes. just a lot of community work. And I'm probably going to do some more. Um, also start an initiative called Black Men Vote, which is to try to increase awareness for black men as to their voting power, yes. why they should vote, and what it means for them to vote, and to be educated. And not just voting, but civics in general, because it's very important that we're educated as to what these civic functions are that we're voting for and who are the people that we are supposed that supposed to be representing us. So that's a very big function of what what voting is. So, yeah. Yeah, you're you're, you're covering a a lot of uh, ground. And I tell you what, if we had. Uh, a couple more uh, Cliff Crawleys out here. It would be awesome. And shout out also to the life coaches. I don't mean to uh, uh, down them, you know, they do their thing, but it is a difference. But it is a difference. And so, and so, so you know, want to talk to you today because you have been participating uh, with the uh, protests that have been going on regarding. Uh, well, it started, you know, as a result of this last this this straw, the uh, George Floyd uh, murder there in uh, Minneapolis. I mean, the, the, the straw that broke the back and, and working with young people. And that's what I want to find out today, uh, uh, Cliff, is, you know, what are the mindset of our young people as they're they're pursuing? Well, first, what, what is it, George, that you uh, George Clifton, that you hear that they <laughs> that they are pursuing with the protests that uh, are taking place? Well, there's various voices. I can't say that there's just one specific thing. They all have different themes. Um, one of the overall overarching voices is that they're demanding structural change, not just uh, pacification or pat on the back or pat on the head and mm-hmm. you're going to give you a little this or that. They want to see it a complete structural change so on what is going on. <laughs> what, what, so what does that mean? What does that look like? Is that uh, we're changing laws? Does that mean there's more resources? I mean, what does that mean, structural change? I'll give you an example. Um, the, within the movement, there's a new kind of hashtag or push called defund the police mm-hmm. or defund police. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to be honest, I'm a part of that as well. And it's not about just giving us, uh, we're going to give police more training or we're going to do the uh, what they normally say, community policing. This is an approach in which we're saying, no, this is not just uh, something where you put a black face on an oppressor's mechanism mm-hmm. designed to enforce enslavement. Mm-hmm. We, we want to see an entire cleaning house of the entire approach to policing in general. I don't even like to call it policing anymore. I don't want to even call it that. I want to call it public safety Mm. because I don't feel that police necessarily make a create an environment of safety or do they police uh, reduce crime where the normal, what functions as something that crime, what produces crime is poverty, joblessness, low education, and hopelessness. Hmm. That is the true indicators of crime when you have a large number of low-skilled and impoverished um, people in a community in a controlled environment that creates a level of crime. Well, 
we're not going towards the root of fixing that. We're not doing preventative measures. We're not putting any support for these communities. We're criminalizing these people, which is our people. We're criminalizing them back into an enslavement system, which is the prison industrial complex. And because of that, we're just basically we what this what this country has done is taken slavery, changed it over with the black codes, enslaved them into concentration camps where they're doing chain gangs for um, workers like Vanderbilt building railroads, and then they die on these chain gangs. Where then that changes to Jim Crow, where they're enslaving black people into a system where, yes. you know, you don't have this level of of um, power so we're going to strip you away and enslave you again into concentration camps of imprisonment then it turns to the war on drugs now it's turning mass incarceration and so it's just a consistent change of enslavement mm-hmm. that have gone on within our community whether it be in cages in prison or even on the street when they put in a little code on your foot yeah. and now you can you can't move around in certain areas so so and so do, do you do you find uh, 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 the the young people that you work with? I mean, are they looking into the history, or are they? You know, I could see people just being upset during this time because we've been locked in the house for three months. You know, and I, <laughs> you know, I can see folks yeah, just wanting something. A lot of rage, yeah, a lot of rage pent up. Or have have our, have our young people really you know took a look to to see what the uh, you know what brought us to this point? Are they are they searching for that knowledge as well? Um, again, I can't speak for all young folks, but I can say that there are a lot of educated minds out there that are speaking out and have spoken out and are willing to speak out as far as what they've seen systematically, what the institution has looked like historically, and what they want to see in the future as far as real change and. They're demanding that change now, not later. They want it now, and uh, I agree with them. That's, I'm tired of waiting for your 14-day plan. I want to hear what are you going to do today to create a solution. And right now, that's what we're trying to emphasize. And if that means staying in the, keeping the pressure on all the way throughout mm. the summer to the rest of the year or however that looks, not stopping and um the civil rights movement took well into two to three decades of evolution from w du bois to dr king right so we can't microwave change change has to be ongoing and keep forcing the system to either change or we destroy it which one did what (laughs) which one which one you know it's it's ironic or coincidental but no because we try to be topical here Uh, my last guest was one of your colleagues uh, the justice fighter you know Gerald Griggs and and it just happened uh, just so happened again uh, uh, you know shout out to my partner uh, who's uh, you know family and our condolences go out to to her family right now Uh, uh, so so I, I needed to find some and I saw Gerald that morning uh, and it just struck me I said man I gotta call this brother right now and so we talked and and part of the thing that came out and and we know this as as historians black black history or knowing black history is that you know uh, John Lewis was what uh, 13 14 years old uh, you know Martin Luther King was 20 something you know uh, all these are our, our, our leaders 
And and even though John uh, John Lewis was 13, I just saw him, you know, standing in the middle of the Black Lives Matter there in front of the White House here. The fight for him still goes on. And John Lewis is what, 70s? Yeah, and he's fighting cancer. And, and so he's fighting he, cancer, yes. So, um, so, 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 so the point is, yeah, you're young. Yeah. You know, they started when they were young, uh, Clifford. Yes, yeah. yes, they did, they did. And many of the kids that are out there now are very young. I've seen people that are in high school uh, all the way up. To, I've seen one person yesterday, I was at a rally in downtown Decatur. Um, Shouts out to Moala Davis who put on the rally. Oh, yes, yes. Beacon Hill um, Alliance for um, Alliance for Black Alliance, I believe that's what they're called. And their um, their protest rally out in Decatur, they had an eighth grader mm. from Grady Height from um, that area speaking, and she was very eloquent and she was very passionate, and she seemed very knowledgeable about what she was what she was um, conveying to the crowd, and she was speaking to a crowd of almost five thousand people. Wow! And she didn't have any, you know hesitation to say yo we need change today i'm tired of talking to my family and my little brother saying what you cannot do with your white friends wow and, and so oh, yeah yeah that's a so, so so you yeah yeah you, you know and, and we're, we're talking about things because we're here in the atlanta market but these protests and demonstrations i mean they are literally taking place all over the world and uh, I mean, my my hat and and, and uh, my pocket, my whatever is goes off to you. Uh, thank you for for what you're doing. Um, I, there's you know, this is Black Mental Matters, and one of the things that concerns me when things happen, um, you know, and and the the, the fire. Flew under me. My folks are from uh, Louisiana, and and when Katrina hit, and nobody helped the uh, you know the folks, you know, and left them on the bridge, and you know bodies flowed down the street, and it was just a tragedy all the way around. But no one, and you as a therapist, no one talked about the psychological uh, damage or psychological help or assistance that that would be needed from people going through things like that, and and so this. I mean, we're watching this video all every other, you know, twice a day. Then we see in more videos and then we, you know, we see in ourselves, you know, face to face. We see the, the president sick, the, the, the army on us. I mean, psychologically, man, what can first just give me give me some thoughts uh, as, as you think it, what it's doing to our to our mental health right now. The consistent viewing of black deaths and murder um, has been going on for a while now. That leaves a certain level of trauma to anyone, particularly to us as a people, when we are constantly seeing ourselves being victimized, you know, and constantly seeing ourselves being brutalized. And in some ways, it gives us this idea that we can't not fight back. And but one of the things that this recent event, the recent event, has occurred is that we're standing up and saying, no, we can fight back. Mm-hmm. And the anger and the resolve that I'm seeing out of these young people is pretty impressive. It is. Um, what, I, what I would say is that what this can lead to is a certain sense of, of depression, mm-hmm. um, hopelessness, yeah. anxiety. Some people can even break down. I saw this in the last movement, even just uh, four years ago, with uh, with uh, Eric Garner and with uh, Trayvon Martin 
and Mike Brown when we were doing the protest rallies and for for Philando Castile and and uh, Sandra Bland, you know, once that was over and the the movement kind of died down, those those that energy wasn't there for the for the people that were part of the protest. A lot of them suffered greatly from anxiety and post traumatic stress disorder. Even mm. um, being a part of that movement. Being um, in there, getting tear gas, getting you know arrested, getting you know accosted by police. Mm. But once that energy is gone, and you're left with just the images and the memories, um, some people didn't cope well with that. So wow. it's important to find coping mechanisms yeah. to embrace, to embrace, um, and find uh, self care yes. um, that we can utilize throughout this process and. Don't be hesitant to seek professional help through a therapist, through a, through a clinician that can help guide you through this process and guide you through the trauma and guide you through the anxiety that you might be feeling and suffering during these moments. Again, we're talking to Brother uh, Cliff Didn't Crawley, call him Cliff. Uh, he's a therapeutic support specialist with the Georgia Department of Family and Children's Services, uh, licensed uh, uh, social worker, uh, works with the uh, Great uh, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, Great Children's Hospital here uh, on a board of the uh, Atlanta NAACP, and I could go on and on to the break of dawn. Uh, I'm looking at some pictures right here on your Facebook page. You were uh, out in Gwinnett County. Uh, and I love this. I, I see the pictures. When you see Asians for Black Lives and you know <laughs> things like that, I know. And and, and, the, and a lot of, again, young people. Our young yep. people are coming together. <laughs> is is it real? Am I dreaming when I see them like this, or is this real, Cliff? Um, it can be real okay. if we stay uh, focused and we keep the energy going and we keep building um, the solidarity. Um, obviously there's been conflict between, and this crowd was, let's be honest, was mostly Korean because it's in Duluth and that's pretty much a Korean, you know, population in in Duluth. Yes. There's a conflict between Koreans and the black community. And this is going on for a very well, a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at those photos, there's a guy that's there. Um, he's 92 years old. He was involved in the L.A. uprising. I see um, him. I see him right in the middle with his walker. I see yeah. him right now, yes. And he spoke in Korean to the crowd, and he could not stop crying. Wow. I don't know what transpired in 92 with him, but I believe from what I understand, his store was burned. One of the stores that was um, burned down in the wow. L.A. uprising. Wow. But he spoke, and he couldn't control his emotions during the protest and at the end of the protest um he asked for shala tilson's mother to come up and shala tilson's mother is a young brother that was killed in rockdale county he spent nine days in isolation um for a mental health breakdown Mm. and the sheriff department did not bring him to a hospital. They took him to a jail, beat him, didn't feed him, and kept him in isolation. He died of dehydration. So basically he was tortured to death. Yeah, <laughs> so, I remember and, this. Yes, yes, yes. And So the, the store owner from uh, the Korean gentleman uh, asked the mom to come up. and, 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 and they, they embraced. Wow. 
and they couldn't um and there was a huge amount of uh, emotion and uh yeah. tears involved in that yeah and because i know that this 92 year old man who who witnessed the la riots who store burned down experienced trauma himself and i'm sure that there's things that went on during the la riots that that he don't want to even talk about yes and yeah. for this older gentleman to humble himself to speak at a rally for black lives yes uh, speaks volumes to what is this movement and what this movement could potentially be if we were to stay and keep this energy going because this is just now let me make this point clear i think one of the things that we think about when we say black the black lives matter movement I'm not the biggest fan of the name or hashtag, by the way. <laughs> okay. okay. It, it starts I'm, a discussion for sure and arguments but, and feelings. But, yeah. But but not because I find it like, I'm not, I don't know, all lives matter to, that's not it at okay. all. I just okay. find the, the title of it to be kind of like a submissive title, like Black Lives Matter 2, as opposed right. to Kwame right. Torre, who spoke of black power. Yes. And gave it a much more physical and forceful. Yes. Um, designation as opposed to this. But let me get back. This is a movement not just about black lives. It's about power structure. Yes. And it's about white imperialism controlling the narrative around the world and pushing for white imperialism and white empowerment and the protection of that white empowerment on people across the planet. That's why you see uprisings in other countries because what W. Du Bois spoke of when he spoke of the abolition democracy, abolitionist de- democracy, is that white imperialism hurts them too. Right. In the long term, because it keeps the people that are in power in power, and it keeps other working class, lower class, et cetera, in position to where they'll never get to that power because they, the power structure doesn't want to share the power. They want to control the masses. This movement speaks more to say, and what I'm saying is that the movement is also about we demand our power back and we see what's going on and the frustration is there. Mm. Not just within black communities, it's within communities across the world. They're tired of seeing... (laughs) They're tired. And that's what's resonating with everyone on the planet is that we see the power structure. We see what white imperialism is and what it's doing because white imperialism has separated Korea. White imperialism colonized China. White imperialism colonized India. White imperialism colonized, brutalized, raped Africa. White imperialism enslaved African people here in this uh, in the Americas, and built those civilized those, those countries: Brussels, London, France, on the backs, uh, on the backs, on the backs <laughs> yes. of African people and people in general. So this is something to say: we're tired of this, and we're going to take this over and burn it down if necessary. Mm-hmm. And that's what this movement is about. And uh, Wow. Black Lives Matter is about that totality of it. Wow. Wow. That's uh, very, uh, and I think that 
I, I, I've been guilty, you know, that you have your friends out there that, you know, they want to say something like you say, I don't like the name or whatever, you know, and you get into this, this, this petty argument. I, I got to the point where I don't, I don't want to have to school every uh, white friend or whatever uh, nationality uh, uh, friend as to why folks are upset and, and to why it's not just about this thing right here or just this football player doing this or just this one. No, this is a culmination of not only these faces and these names that we're saying, but this thing goes back to the beginning of this country, the beginning. And uh, to see uh, my Asian brother, I'm, I'm, I'm enamored to the uh, Asian community. Clip. I, I just tell you, out of the top 25, they, they, they made me number 26, man. I got an award and everything. You know? <laughs> so I have a close uh, affinity uh, with, with the Asian community just because, hey, I, you know, I mean, it's a big world out here. And when I see these young people, you know, I have sons and they went to school, you know, and it was very diverse. When I see these young people, you know, getting together and doing things and changing the world which they are literally doing right now um so so for our parents out here cliff now you're out there with these young people i mean what should our parents be telling uh, this was a traumatic year for a lot of lot of young folks they couldn't graduate they could go to the prom. They was yeah. locked up in the house for uh, three months. It may have been up in the house with daddy, who daddy boy is crazy in the mug, like you know, or mama crazy in the mug, or my brother, and, and you know. So as as we move forward in this uh, 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 movement, how can our parents support these young people? Because they're not gonna stop. I don't think they're gonna stop. How can our parents or? Or, or, or what 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 advice would you give to our families out there um, during this time, man? I know that's a broad broad stroke. Uh, I can only speak for if I had children, what I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, I would support them. Okay. I would plan with them. I would march with them, mm-hmm. and I would speak my mind and my peace and offer the simple wisdom that I could offer in the times in these times in these moments um i make sure that my family is safe we get tested for COVID consistently mm. we practice uh proper social distancing and mask up but at the same time we're also going you know we'll put together the the banners we'll put together the posters we'll get out in the streets together we'll talk about it and express openly how we feel about what's going on because that is going to be key is the communication and more important and one of the more important things allow our young people to express themselves and to be heard yes and to allow them to talk you know and, and and be open and honest about how they feel in this moment you know whatever that comes out it may be you know be and also be accepting of it yes. and not try to poo-poo or control what they think, but listen to them, accept it, and work with them and show them, uh, you know, be a, be a guide. And that's, that's, I think, the most important thing a parent can do. And, of course, you know, as a spiritual, you know, you want to pray and yes. meditate and, and do those things together. And th- that is, uh, I think those are the keys to what a parent should do for their children. I saw I saw a number of uh, 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 you know again through social media posts of people who said, "Hey, I, I got the kids up this morning, and I told them, come on, we going downtown.' And you know, thank God, uh, 
you know, we had our, our initial uh, clashes here in, in Atlanta, but for the most part, for the past five, six nights at least, uh, maybe even more, it, it, things have been uh, uh, very peaceful and very orderly. And uh, I'm sure that the uh, children whose parents brought them out, you know, as a family, they really got something powerful out of that experience. Yeah, um, I was there the night that the uprising started. Um, I was I, I was able, uh, you know, to witness the initial spark of the um, protest that led to the violence mm-hmm. that from that night. I posted about it. It was the energy was just uh, a different kind of energy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It wasn't. That, it wasn't. It, it wasn't our energy. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. It wasn't just. Uh, let me, because I think I made a post about it that it would seem like an Afro punk anarchist Antifa um, led mosh pit. <laughs> just yeah, it was it. definitely slamming people. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I made Not that funny. point. Yeah, but yeah, I did. But but at the same time, you know, that could also be a function of just some generational um, gaps and and looking at things. The uh, the kids had a different energy, and yes, there were some kids of different ethnic and racial backgrounds that did initiate a lot of the damage and destruction. But again, that goes back to what I said earlier, that people are tired of the power structure that is currently in place, being in place. When you have less than 1% of the global population controlling over 95% of the wealth and hoarding it (laughs) and not sharing. And, um, And in some places, people live in poverty and it, you know, many of us, you know, go, hey, I have three jobs, you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> trying to get, right. trying to come up. Right. So it's like, right. you know, we talk and a level of frustration, you know, we talk with that level of frustration where they just expressing that frustration openly. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't have an issue with the, the destruction that's property to me. That is buildings, that's brick and mortar. Um, my issue is that, you, you know, as long as people didn't get hurt and people for all that that went on, I don't think there was any incident where someone was killed. Mm. And, and, uh, you know, ultimately that means more to me that, that the fact that that no life was lost means way more to me than a Gucci bag that was stolen out of Phipps Plaza. So (laughs) that's, that's this Clifton, Crawley, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, again, it's uh, uh, you know working with our young people and doing so much in the community. Therapeutic support specialist, uh, licensed uh, social worker, and on the front lines here helping us figure out what our young people really want. And uh, Cliff, I just want to thank you, man, and uh, give you strength, uh, get you some sleep sometime, <laughs> and uh, but stay on that front line for me, man, and I- I'll be right behind you. Okay. All right, no problem. Thank you. God bless. Yes.